Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, August 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The race to acquire TikTok is heating up. The crisis in Belarus has European leaders lining up to talk with Vladimir Putin. And days before he appears before Congress, the U.S. Postmaster General reverses controversial cutbacks. Plus, they have a history of bad performance and scams. So why are blank check companies booming this year? I'm Dan Bobkoff, and here's the news you need to start your day. There's a new contender in the race to acquire TikTok. The FT reports that Oracle has held preliminary talks with TikTok's Chinese owner ByteDance and was seriously considering purchasing the app's operations in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. That's according to people briefed about the matter, who said Oracle was working with a group of U.S. investors that already own a stake in ByteDance, including General Atlantic and Sequoia Capital. President Donald Trump said there's, quote, credible evidence ByteDance has used TikTok to breach U.S. security. He has vowed to shut the app down unless a U.S. company takes it over by mid-November. Microsoft has been in the lead to buy a big chunk of TikTok and even considered buying all of TikTok's global operations, though a source tells the FT that ByteDance is opposed to selling its businesses in more than a few countries. With Oracle in the running, ByteDance now has a credible alternative to Microsoft's offer. Yesterday, we told you about the turmoil in Belarus, where President Alexander Lukashenko's 26-year rule looks increasingly shaky. European leaders have been lining up to speak to Russia's President Vladimir Putin to discuss what's happening there. German Chancellor Angela Merkel, French President Emmanuel Macron, and Charles Michel, President of the European Council, all urged Mr. Putin to help steer the former Soviet Republic out of its political crisis. So what is Russia's interest in its neighbor, and what outcome would suit the Kremlin? Our Moscow bureau chief Henry Foy has more. Now, Belarus isn't that critical to Moscow economically, politically very much so. It's absolutely seen as a buffer state between Moscow and the EU, Poland, of course, on the western border, Russia on the eastern border. Economically, it's it's Moscow that's really important to Belarus. Moscow supplies large amounts of essentially subsidized oil and gas to Belarus. The peoples of Russia and Belarus historically were part of the same country under the Soviet Union. And politically, Vladimir Putin has been trying to integrate the two countries in recent years, building on a union treaty that was signed in the late 90s that envisaged at some point the two countries becoming one. Of course, Lukashenko has been in power 26 years. Putin has been in power 20 years. For most of that time, the two men have had a pretty decent relationship. Now, that soured around two years ago, certainly in the last year, as Mr. Lukashenko was seen by Moscow as dragging his heels on this integration plan that I mentioned. So they've had a pretty frosty relationship leading up to these protests in this crisis, which has led some analysts to suspect that Mr. Putin wouldn't be super keen on getting involved to help prop him up. Obviously, the aim for the Kremlin is to keep Belarus in the Russian orbit, so to speak, as a dependable and reliable ally, not looking towards the EU, not looking towards NATO. How they do that, of course, is a very difficult question to answer. The best thing to do would be to get a replacement in there that is uh, friendly to Moscow. However, any sign that the Kremlin is meddling may turn protesters against Russia. An update now on the U.S. Post Office. You'll remember it warned recently that many ballots wouldn't arrive in time for the November presidential election. 
Democrats claim a series of cost-cutting measures at the post office would further hinder postal voting. Now the postmaster general is reversing course, saying plan changes would now be implemented after the election. It had been reducing overtime hours, the number of letterboxes, and mail processing equipment. Louis DeJoy was appointed to the top role at the post office in May and said in a statement that many of the changes were, quote, longstanding operational initiatives. But Mr. DeJoy is a big donor to Republicans and President Donald Trump, and Democrats say the post office is being exploited for political purposes as many states expand postal voting amid the coronavirus pandemic. Mr. DeJoy is set to testify before a Senate committee Friday and at a House panel next week. And here's a story you should know more about. Tech investor Kevin Hartz made a lot of money investing in Airbnb and Uber. Now he's the latest to join the boom in so-called blank check companies. Mr. Hartz's special purpose acquisition company, or SPAC for short, raised a couple hundred million dollars to take a tech startup public. It debuted on the New York Stock Exchange yesterday with the simple name of One. It's just the latest in a busy year for SPACs. They used to be known as a way for shady financiers to unload dodgy businesses on the unsuspecting masses. But despite a history of poor performance for investors, SPACs are booming. Just this year alone, they raised nearly $24 billion, up 70% from last year. And they've started attracting big names. Goldman Sachs has gotten in on the trend, chasing investment banking fees. Credit Suisse has made a big business out of SPACs. Hedge funder Bill Ackman has also become a big player. He said he's pushing for reform so that there's a better chance investors do well. Hortensa Ali is the FT's M&A correspondent and has been following these blank check companies extensively. So the reason it's known as a blank check company is because investors are essentially writing a blank check to someone like Bill Ackman. Uh, and they do not know the identity of the company that he will look to acquire. They have an idea about what industry in most cases, but in effect, Bill Ackman will use that blank check to go shopping. The idea here is that instead of investing in a company, you're investing in the investor who then has two years to find a company that you as the investor hope will make you a lot of money. Is that right? That's exactly right. So it's essentially a bet on the on the executive behind the SPAC. You're banking on the person who has launched the SPAC and their co connections to find a company that will essentially perform well and will, make, will help you make money by doing well in the stock market. So if you're an investor or if you're a company that wants to go public, what is the appeal of a SPAC? For investors, it's almost viewed as a, for want of a better expression, risk-free investment. You put your money in the SPAC, it sits in what is effectively a trust that earns interest. And at the end of the day, you get to approve the deal. And if you vote the deal down, you get your money back. For a company who wants to go public, you don't have the sort of arduous process that is associated with tra traditional IPO listing, where you have to do roadshows, um, you have to get anchor investors. That's all taken away. The SPAC has already taken care of that when it listed itself. And so how did these go from something that had a really scammy reputation to such a big part of the market? That's a great question. I mean, in the early 2000s, there was a huge SPAC boom, uh, which essentially came and done during the 2008 financial crisis. 
uh, at the time, obviously, the the fall the fallout from the SPAC world wasn't exactly the focus of um, of regulators, but it certainly became a dirty word in finance, uh, and it became associated with things like poor management, bad acquisitions, uh, and it was it was relegated basically to the backwaters of finance. It kind of disappeared from the lexicon for for about four or five years, and recently we've started to see a reemergence. In your reporting, there are two clear examples of the range of SPACs. On one side, you have DraftKings, which is well known as a sports betting company here in the U.S. Its involvement in a SPAC is seen as a legitimate deal, and even Fidelity Investments bought in. But then there's Akazoo, which was supposedly a Greek music streaming service, but ultimately turned out to be a huge fraud. So I have to wonder, should we be nervous about this trend? This is why my colleagues, uh, Sajid Indap and Miles Kripa and I looked at the data between 2015 and 2019 to see how these cash shell structures had worked. And we essentially tried to, to basically find out how many had found a target company and of the ones that found the target company and merged uh, where they were trading. And about two thirds of the companies that had merged were still trading at $10 per share. And $10 is the price at which investors buy in. So essentially, those investors who approved the deal and stayed in the transaction are at a loss. And I mean, that's a huge disappointment. It, it's not a great number uh, for the industry itself. But then again, we are, like I said, we're seeing this sort of development um, that could, if if the structure is changed um, and incentive to, incentives are improved, that could be a better product on Wall Street because it's essentially another financing technique. And it's something that provides companies who need it with liquidity. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You can read more on all these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.